Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In these later days of the Easter season, uh, we are being prepared for the coming days after the Easter season uh, in the ascension of our Lord and in uh, Pentecost. And so it may be kind of funny to talk about the Holy Spirit so much before Pentecost, because in Pentecost is when we really uh, give thanks and praise for that Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit coming and blessing us as the Spirit of Truth. But it's 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 worth going over because uh, what Jesus talks about as a future tense for the disciples in our text from John, it is a present tense for us right now. And I was trying to figure out a way to talk about this, um, and I was thinking to myself, uh, uh, how, how, how do I go about dealing with the Holy Spirit convicting the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment? And um, I was thinking back, I was like, there's got to be something in the catechism about this, right? <laughs> when in doubt, always go to the catechism, Right? As a good Lutheran, that's what we should really do. You know, when, when we're in Scripture and we say, how does this apply? How can this be broken down a little bit more for me? You go to the catechism. And, and, and I know that sometimes I've, I've talked about, you know, catechesis, catechetical, you know, these, these, these words that, that get a little bit of a tongue twister feel to them, right? And you get kind of saying, well, pastor, take it easy. You know, I'm not a theologian. Well, the funny thing is, is that theology... Really, I've, I've learned this recently, and, and I'm glad, I'm only about, I'm almost done with my third year here as being your pastor, and, and, and being a pastor in general, and I'm glad I learned it now as opposed to like 30 years from now, but theology basically just means God talk, right? It's how we talk about God, and when we're talking about God, the Holy Spirit, we need to be pretty precise on what we say, right? Um, because there's a lot of confusion out there about what the Holy Spirit is and does. I mean, some people think that he's a force, and they call him an it, but he's a he. He's a person, right? He's a person of that trinity that we uh, praise and glorify. So when we look at the catechism and we see about how we talk about God, how we engage in God talk about the Holy Spirit... We need to be clear about some things, and Jesus is very clear, but we need to have things clarified a bit more, don't we, oftentimes? Because he says, if I go, I will send him to you. I will send the comforter, the paraclete, right? One who comes alongside you and guides you into the truth. He says, if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and, and, and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, how do we break all that down? Uh, Jesus is really good at packing things into very succinct phrases and, and sayings. And <clears throat> when he talks about this, I was actually astonished how well the explanation of the third article of the creed fits with this. Now, I'm going to ask y'all, does anybody remember the third article of the creed and how we explain it in the small catechism? 
I, I never had to stand up in front of people. Uh, you know, I've, 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 I've heard horror stories about people having to stand up in front of the whole congregation and they're asked these questions and they have to give it word for word, right? I never went through that. Sometimes I wish that I did, right? Uh, sometimes I wish that I had this fully ingrained in me because it's just so helpful. But if you need a refresher, right? The third article uh, of the Apostles' Creed, right? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. He has enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified me, uh, sorry, ah, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. <clears throat> in the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with, with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true, right? Saw some of y'all mouthing along. That's good. You remember these things. It's a good thing to keep in mind. It goes very well. I mean, if anybody wants to say, well, the small catechism, you know, it's just something that we learn as kids and, and we don't have to really worry about it because then we should really get in the Bible. But it echoes the Bible because when we say, <clears throat> I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me. He has convicted me, right? He has convicted me concerning sin. That's what Christ says that the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts me, or you could also say convinces me of my sin. That, what does that mean? I mean, we're all kind of, the whole world is confused about sin. I mean, everything is upside down, left is right, right? I mean, men are women, women are men, abortion is healthcare, cats and dogs are, you know, Cats and dogs are, you know, people are identified as cats and dogs now. It's all just crazy, right? There's a lot of confusion in the world, but concerning sin, Christ is clear. The Holy Spirit convicts us, convicts our sinful flesh, which is enticed by the world, right? It is included in that. We are convicted concerning sin because they do not believe in Jesus. That the root of all sin is to not believe in what Christ has done. And that is the root of the breaking of any of the Ten Commandments. It begins with idolatry. It begins with going after other gods. It begins with forgetting and not caring about or being, being indifferent, which is another form of hating God's commandments. You know, I don't need to worry about that. I, of course I don't murder anybody without really examining what that really means. Well, of course I haven't actually committed adultery. Well, Jesus has a few words to say about that with uh, lustful intent and thoughts, words, and deeds, right? So the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts us, he convinces us through the word that tells us we are sinful, saying that we're not as great as we think that we are, that actually a lot of times we fall in line with a lot of other Christians and say, well, we have free will, right? 
like to say, I've got free will to decide what I'm going to do with my life. But when it comes to spiritual matters, we really don't. We don't have free will except to sin, right? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, by myself, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. Basically, it's saying, I believe that I can't believe by myself. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to come and convict me of my sin so that I would no longer boast of it, so that I would no longer be indifferent towards it, but so that I would recognize it for what it is, so that I would realize just how much I don't believe at times, so that the Holy Spirit would not just leave me in my sin, but declare and convict me and convince me of the righteousness of Christ, right? But he says that the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world concerning righteousness because Christ goes to the Father and we see him no longer. We no longer see Jesus Christ as the disciples saw him, but we do see him with eyes of faith in his word, in his sacraments, in holy baptism, in his body and his blood. We see him with eyes of faith now that is given to us by the Holy Spirit, that it goes along so well with that next part of the third article's explanation. <clears throat> that in the same way, the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, um, he calls, gathers, um, calls, gathers, enlightens and sanctifies the whole Christian earth on church and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. That in this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. That all believers in the church, through the word of God, preach to you, are convicted and convinced of the righteousness of Christ. What he has done for you in dying for your sin and rising for your justification. To show that in his death, sin is conquered. And in his in his resurrection, it is made abundantly clear that that is so, right? That in this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives me all my sins and the sins of all those that believe in Christ. The Holy Spirit continually gives this gift of faith and salvation and assurance and comfort and hope that he does not leave you in that conviction of sin, but he turns you to Jesus. I mean, Jesus says very clearly, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you and do all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, right? But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify, not you, not himself, but Jesus Christ, right? He will point you to Christ and say, Look to him. Look to him for your hope, for your comfort, for your salvation. The Holy Spirit within himself doesn't just comfort because he's there. He comforts by pointing you to Christ over and over and over again. And what a great gift that is, daily doing this. And then we see, matches really well, concerning judgment that because he keeps turning us to Christ, with judgment, we as Christians are no longer concerned. 
It's no longer a scary thing to hear that word judgment. It's no longer, for those of us who are made new creations in Christ, it's no longer terrifying to us to hear that we will be judged. Because he says, the ruler of this world is judged. Who is the ruler of this world? But Satan, right? He is the one who is pulling strings behind the scenes to conflict us, to afflict us, to try and judge us. He's the one who sends his demons to say things in our ears like, do you think you're really saved? Do you think that God really forgives you for that sin? Oh, I don't know. Do you think that God really loves you? How could he love someone like you? You're a horrible sinner. You're a horrible person. I mean, what you watched on TV last night is grounds enough for damnation. <laughs> With all the things that are out in the world today, right? He sends his lies to try to judge us. When in, when in fact, we as Christians should know he is judged. Satan is judged. He is found condemned. Not us. Not those who are in Christ. Those who are in Christ have been washed clean of our sin. Those of us in Christ come to church and we say, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities. And we hear that Christ has forgiven us. To know that we are not judged, but Satan is. And for that, we see it matches very well with our last part of the explanation of the third article of the Creed. That on the last day... The Holy Spirit will raise me and all the dead and will give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. That on the last day, otherwise known as Judgment Day, judgment will be a good thing for us. Judgment will be a day of true vindication. That throughout all of our lives, we who have suffered in the faith, we who have been mocked and shamed because we believe in something that we can't see, that on that last day, we will be proven right. That our faith will not have been in vain. That on that last day, we will see Christ. That on that last day, we will be given that everlasting life in body and in soul. And it'll be great. It'll be wonderful. So, <clears throat> now that we have these things as a present tense, that we are convicted and convinced of our sin, for which we, for which we ought to and do and do um, and do repent and ask for God's grace. When we are convicted and convinced of the 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 righteousness of Christ, and convinced of the judgment of God as a good thing for us now in Christ, what do we do? What do we do? Well, for that, we go to our New Testament text from James and or even our Old Testament text that as new creations, we now live as new creations and we actually do certain things, right? We don't just sit by and just say, thanks be to God and go about our way as if it didn't matter. We hear what James has to say, inspired by that same Holy Spirit, 
to therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with, with, with meekness the implanted word. The word that says you're a sinner. The word that says that Christ died for you. The word that says you are no longer judged but absolved, which is able to save your souls. And from there, we join with Isaiah in saying, <laughs> in saying, the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, that the Lord's people break out in song because of their salvation, proclaiming God's deeds, not just to those who also believe, but to all people that they may know the true joys of salvation through Jesus Christ, that they may be given that same Holy Spirit that convicts of all these things and points us to Christ, that they may know Christ. Those who know the word are actually obligated, but not in a begrudging way, right? We're obligated in a joyful way, and we are blessed to proclaim the Lord's saving work. The Lord gives us strength to bear this song before the nations, before all the world, to testify what he accomplishes in Christ our Lord. That we praise God by telling others about him. How can you not? Right? When you think about all the things that God has done, how can you remain silent except through fear? Fear of what people might think. Fear of losing your job, fear of, well, whatever it is, but ultimately it's not the fear of God. God gives us by the power of the Holy Spirit the joy, the peace, the comfort, the assurance, the strength to proclaim that God has done wonderful things for us in sending Jesus Christ, in washing us clean of our sins by his blood shed on the cross, by continually doing that every single day when we keep in mind our baptisms, when we rise and we give thanks to God for washing us clean, when we come to church and we hear his word, when we come to church and are given his body and his blood for us to eat and to drink, the salvation. So because we have the good gifts of Christ through that spirit of truth who points us to the way to the way, the truth, and the life that is Jesus Christ. Because we have these good gifts, we now walk in righteousness, singing praise for what God has done. How can we do otherwise? And this is most certainly true. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.